Well, good morning, church. Uh, we have a few announcements for you. I uh, want to remind you that uh, we are still having our women's Bible studies. Uh, we have a Tuesday morning uh, Bible study that Liz teaches, and she is doing it through Zoom. And then Kristen is doing her Thursday night Bible study, and they're also running through Zoom. So, uh, ladies, I encourage you to get plugged in. Uh, you can email us. You can comment. If you want to be invited to one of those groups, make sure that you let us know. Um, that you would like to be in, included in one of those two Bible studies, uh, and, and we would love to find a way to help get you plugged in. Uh, also, uh, we still are having our life groups. Uh, again, they have to meet virtually, uh, but we still have our life groups that are meeting. Um, I know uh, Joe's group is, is meeting, and they're using Google Hangouts, and then uh, I, I know that um, Justin's still meeting uh, with the LLC. They're meeting on Tuesday nights. Uh, that's the young adult group. Uh, and then I know for sure that the, the uh, Thursday or Friday night group uh, is still meeting as well. So if you would like to get plugged into one of those groups, and I can't forget, uh, my phone's going to go off in a second, Rodney's group is also meeting. Um, that is the We Still Do, uh, the marriage group. They're meeting on Tuesday nights. Um, so I encourage you that uh, if you would like to be plugged into one of these life groups, uh, just, just comment to let us know that you want more information. You can email me, you can text me or call me. Not during the sermon, though. You don't have anything to do, but I'm still working here. Uh, so please make sure uh, that you let us know uh, that, that we can get you plugged in in, in one of these ways. Also, um, we are still doing the Serve Food Drive, uh, and we have a uh, location here at the church. We have a barrel just outside uh, of the front doors that you can drop your food in. Uh, Non-perishable items are what they need at the present. You can also go directly to Serve and drop them off in the bins that they have there as well. So make sure you're coming in. Uh, you can social distance by not even having to come into the building. You can put those in um, and then head on out. But it's a way that we are still able to help um, within our community. So make sure that uh, you're paying attention to your email and, and to Facebook for other announcements uh, that, that we have going on. Uh, one of the other things it, that I want to make sure I remind you of is next Sunday morning at 1130, um, so you'll have a break from my preaching uh, and, and worship, and, and then uh, Miss Christie is going live in the Kids Zone at 11 a.m., and then myself uh, and uh, the financial team and the elders will be back at 11.30. So we'll be live again on Facebook at 11.30, and we're going to be going over um, the 2019 budget and how we did coming out of 2019. We're going to talk um, about what's happened so far in this first quarter um, and, and how COVID is um, affecting the church, and then we'll talk uh, long-term uh, of 2020 and then looking into the future. So uh, make sure that you're uh, aware of that. We'll put out a, a, an email reminder again this coming week uh, for that. Uh, we also will be doing, uh, we'll be introducing our uh, two new candidates uh, for trustee. We, we do have to take a vote on our trustees, um, and, and uh, that's uh, Jorge and Adam. They're going to be coming on, and we have to take that vote. And so uh, voting will actually be done uh, via email. That way we have your votes that are logged in. 
and, and if you want to be a part of that meeting next week, um, also, you have to join the um, church group, not just the church Facebook page, but we sent out an email of another thing that uh, um, we wanted to make sure that uh, everyone was a part of, that we'll be going live inside of that particular group. Again, we'll make sure that uh, everybody is a part of that. If you're not a part of that and want to be, you can email me or put something in the comments, and uh, we'll make sure that we get you uh, attached to that. Also, um, we still um, are, are bringing in our offering. We take communion at the end of every message, and, and we still have to bring in our offerings every week because um, as a church, you know, uh, we run on your generosity, your tithes and, and gifts. So I encourage you to continue to give. You can come into the office during the week, and, and you can give your, your uh, monies here at the church. We're here Monday through Thursday uh, from a minimum uh, of 9 a.m. to noon, um, or you can come Wednesday nights from about 6.30 to 8. Uh, the, the worship team is here practicing. You can drop it off during that time. Also, I encourage you, you can give online. You can go to our website. You can uh, go to uh, Realm through the website, and you can give as a guest. Um, or if you would like to set up an account um, through Realm, which gives you full access to a lot of other things that we have uh, for our church, um, you can make an, a Realm account, and we will help you with that. All you have to do is let me know, and, and uh, um, Rodney and I will make sure that you get connected uh, to where you can give within Realm and use all of the other features that uh, we have through Realm as well. Um, and what I'd like to do this morning is just to take a time uh, to pray uh, for our church and our offering. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we, we just pause and stop to say thank you for the many gifts that you have given to us. The, the fact that we're still able, uh, while not in person, we can still meet together as a church body. That we can worship together. That we can uh, hear your word uh, given to us. And, and Father, I ask that uh, um, the, we give back just a portion to you that you have so richly blessed us with. So I just ask for all of the offerings uh, that, that get brought in, Father, that uh, they will continue to go to see your kingdom work right here in Stafford and around the world. We pray all of this in your son's name. Amen. So this morning, uh, we're going to continue uh, looking at our new series. Uh, we started it last week looking at the book of James, and we called it Collision. Uh, and, and it's where life um, in all of our messes and the Word of God come together. And we're looking at that last part of James chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and turn to James chapter 1. And we're going to talk about hearing, listening, and doing um, all together here this morning. Now, at least once each day, several times, if you're my daughters, you look into the mirror. You want to see what you look like. We stand before the mirror. We review what we see, the way that we look. If, if there's any adjustments that need to take place, if there's any hairs out of, of line, or, or for the ladies, you want to make sure that that makeup is looking just right before you go sit on your couch for the rest of the day. Um, we, we really try to look intently into the mirror 
um, at least once a day. Now, for some of you, you get up in the morning and you're like, bad hair, don't care because I'm just going to work from my couch today. Um, so things are maybe a little bit different during COVID than what they really are um, on a what would be we, we would call it a normal basis. But we still look at least once um, in the mirror to uh, reveal what we see. Now this morning, uh, I want to point out some things that can forever change the image of ourselves, the potential that we have. And we're going to talk about looking into that mirror, but not just the physical mirror that we need to look into. I want us to talk about looking into that spiritual mirror, the way that God sees us today. The Word of God is a moral mirror. It's the Holy Spirit living inside of us, telling us what we should and shouldn't see. I want us to experience the way that God sees us and the way that we should see ourselves. Now, when we talk about the Word of God, when we talk about reading our Bibles, it's not a problem that people... Um, don't just understand the Bible. It's not a problem that they don't have a Bible. Yes, there are some third world countries where the Bible has not been translated into their native tongue. We in America and around the world, the number one selling book for many, many years has been the Holy Bible of God. The, the Bible is present in almost every home. For some of you, you have multiple versions of the Bible. Last Saturday, I was given the opportunity to do the wedding for Kevin and Aaron. And and as we were ready to walk out the door, Kevin says, hey, is that your Bible that's sitting there? And I said, yeah, it's mine, but I don't need it. And he went, wait a minute, what? And I was like, that's okay. You know, that's the one that I use for church. I have another one that I have at home that whenever I need it, I, I, I can use it at, at home. Well, here's the thing. I have several Bibles in my office. I, I have several Bibles at home. I actually have one Bible that's maybe only been opened three or four times. It was a Bible that was awarded to me in 1996. It still has the leather... Um, case that was put on it as it was awarded to me um, at um, the Preacher Boy competition back in 1996. When I do open it, I unzip it and I open it up. It doesn't even want to stay open because it's never uh, or hardly ever been opened. But then I have other Bibles that are still being held together by, by duct tape because I've worn the binding out. So to say that we don't really have um, Bibles today, that would be an understatement because you can find them wherever. There's apps that we have on our phone. We can go through and we can find daily reading apps. We can go to Walmart and, and we can buy um, a, a Bible and, and we can even find them as cheap as, as $5 today. You see, the Bible is present. The problem is we don't read it to understand it and know what it's saying. According to a Gallup poll in 1993, 71% of Americans believed that the, that the Bible was the inspired word of God. More than half stated they read their Bible at least monthly, yet half couldn't even name the four Gospels. 
And even more sadly, they didn't know who said the Sermon on the Mount. In the most recent Gallup poll, it showed that only 24% of Americans believed that the Bible is the inspired Word of God, that it is the literal Word of God. We can benefit from the Bible. The question is, are we willing to read it, to hear it, and to apply it into our lives? The Bible is a very practical book. Now, there's some things that we read inside of the Bible, and you go, um, Travis, it's not really that practical, and it's hard for me to apply into my life, because um, the problem is, is you read, okay, I'm going to start in Genesis, and I read Genesis, and I'm like, okay, I can read this. This is good. Wow, there's some pretty messed up stuff in the book of Genesis, and then we keep reading through, and we get to Leviticus, and we're reading all of the laws, and we get to Numbers, which is a bunch of numbers, and we're like, ah, this is getting pretty difficult. How is this applicable to my life unless I'm trying to hit the lottery? Or we go into the New Testament and we're reading through and we read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we're like, okay, this is about Jesus and, and I can take what Jesus is saying. And, and then we read through and we, we try to understand what Paul is saying to us in, in Romans, but it's kind of difficult of, of who he's talking to. And, and then we get to the book of Revelation and, and that's not really that applicable to me, Travis. But then we read some of the other scriptures that are totally applicable into our lives. And one of those is the book of James. James is probably my favorite book in all of the Bible. I love to read the book of James because James, who is the half-brother of Jesus, writes the way that his brother taught. And so we can just take it and apply it right into our lives. And I just have a few points that I want to break down for us this morning. The first one is that you must be receptive to God's Word. You must be receptive to God's Word. Again, applicable, let's read chapter 1, starting in verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now, I want us to really dig into verse 21 for just a moment because James tells us to receive with meekness or humbly accept the word planted in you. The word to receive means to welcome it. So we are called to welcome in God's word, to allow it to penetrate and to get into our lives. It's not just, oh, I read it and now I can move on with the rest of my day. It's allowing it to sink in, welcoming it into our lives. The idea is receiving or accepting the word. And it has the connotation in the original language of showing hospitality. When you welcome someone into your house, when you receive someone in to your house and you have hospitality, you bring them in. You don't just stand at the front door. You welcome them into the house. You invite them in to sit down on the couch and to talk with them. And that's what it's all about. You see, we must cultivate a heart 
and a life that welcomes the word of God in. And what kind of life is that? It's a life that is characterized by an attitude of humility, openness, and of re receptive, being receptible. And, and such a life is to receive the word. And, and here, again, Jesus did such an amazing job of, of taking things that were applicable, applicable to people's life. And, and here, that word that we're talking about here is, is that of, of preparing the soil. Teresa and I have been planting our own garden, and, and we did things a little bit differently because she was tired of the grass continuing to grow up through all of the plants that, that she had planted. So we, we actually built boxes to uh, make uh, our, our flower or our, our, our plants in. And as we built those, we put dirt inside of those. And before we planted them, you don't just take the seed and throw it out there uh, to where it just sits on top of the soil. Even farmers, they, they don't just take and throw the seed out there. They actually put it in the ground with planters. And we had to do the same thing. We had to prepare the soil. We had to break it up. We had to make sure that it was receptive for those plants, for those seeds, so that they could take root and, and to grow. And that's exactly what we're to do with the Word of God. Now, as we break this down... To adequately prepare our hearts, I believe that James has four guidelines that we need to model. The first one is a capacity to listen, to be able to hear God's word. We must be quick to hear the word of truth. He says, be swift or quick to hear. And it refers to alter the ear. James isn't just talking about physical hearing, though. Now, now, we need to make sure that we have that concept here, though. We need to make sure that we're physically hearing the word, but beyond that, we're to be quick to hear. And that means to have an attentive heart. Make sure that your heart is prepared for what God has to say to you. This is often true when it comes to what God is trying to make communicate to us. You can physically listen to his word and yet not really hear it. What we need to do is be willing to listen and to hear, to be receptive to it, to have that open heart to where we hear deep inside of us, to have that attitude that is open to everything that he has. So we need to be quick to hear, and we also have to have a controlled tongue. We need to have a controlled tongue. We need to be slow to speak. One of the things that keeps us from hearing is that we're not slow to speak. The moment that someone says something to us, we're already starting to prepare our answer. The moment that we hear something, especially if we don't like it, we want to fire right back. We want to hit them right back where it is. But it said that's why God gave us two ears and only one mouth. You know, Teresa is really good at this. She hears. She listens to what her kids has, has to say. She listens for the most part of what I have to say. She hears it. She takes it all in before she responds. And, and many times, she won't even respond right away. Now, this happened to her this last week. She was in Walmart, and, and somebody got pretty upset with her. There, there was an older gentleman, um, and, and as the, she was walking down the aisle in Walmart, he stopped her because she wasn't wearing a mask. 
and, and called her rude and a few other things and, and said that she wasn't taking care of the welfare of everyone else. And, and she just listened and she heard it and she took it all in and then she moved on. Me, on the other hand, probably would have been a little bit different because the very moment that uh, um, I would have heard this gentleman speaking to me in such a way, um, I would have just let him know that he didn't have to come out to Walmart, that he could have stayed at home and just had it delivered. And that's the sarcastic side of me. And so I really need to apply God's word into my life as well. You know, often we don't hear what someone is saying because we're not listening, intently listening to what they have to say. I mean, have you ever done that? You, you, you walk up to somebody, I, I, again, I have this problem. People come up to me in church and I say, good morning, how are you? My initial response um, is, you know, they'll say, I'm expecting fine. And they start to tell me something else and I'm like, oh, well, that's good to hear. It's good to hear that my um, grandfather has cancer, Travis. I, I'm, I'm so sorry, I, because we're programmed to automatically respond. We have to be able to actually listen, to hear attentively to what others are saying to us, and especially when it comes to God's work. Make sure that we are slow to speak. And then thirdly, a calm demeanor, slow to anger. James not only tells us that we need to be slow to anger, but the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So what we need to do is we need just to calm down, to take it all in. Be willing to have that calm demeanor in your life. You cannot communicate with someone when they're angry. I know. I've tried. And no others have tried to communicate with me when I'm angry or upset. Did you know that being upset uh, with what you hear can block the capacity you possess to hear it? It is why God says to have that calm demeanor, to have a spirit that allows us to seek the word of God. Cultivate a calm spirit in your lives. You see, when we are angry, we are closed. We're not listening to reason. We're looking to get even, sometimes even to get ahead. We have things that creep into our lives like bitterness, resentment, and even hatred. These are barriers to communication. God cannot speak to you when you hold these types of attitude in your heart. We need to calm down so that we can hear. And then fourthly, we need to have a clean life. It's another thing that I think most of us probably need to work on, cleaning up our own lives. James tells us to therefore put away... <clears throat> all filthiness and rampant wickedness. We're called to lay down our sin. The word for filth here actually has the root in the original language 
of that of earwax. And, and I love that that is the word that James uses for us because we're not talking physically of hearing God's word, but doesn't that have the same connotation to it? If we have a buildup of wax inside of our ears, it makes it extremely hard for us to truly be able to hear someone else speaking to us. And if we have that buildup of wax inside of our ears, we have to get that filth out. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, wow, I can hear so much better now. When we get the filth out of our life, when we start to get the sin out of our life, it's at that moment that we allow God's word to truly get into our lives. Are there things in your life that you need to get rid of? You will never be able to receive the full benefit of God's word as long as you're holding on to these things. Holding on to anger. Holding on to that bitterness and hatred and resentment. resentment. Allow it to disperse. Allow it to leave you. And when it does, you will be able to be receptive to God's word. Allow that filthful filthiness to get out of your life. Now let's move forward. Number two, you must be submissive to God's word. The first step is to be receptive of God's word. The second step is to be submissive. Look at verses 22 through 25. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once and forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. I believe that there are three ways that we can do this and to be submissive. The first one, it requires an examination. It requires an examination. Look at verse 25. James speaks of the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty. Notice that he does, uh, does not simply talk about someone who merely looks at God's word. He's talking about one who looks intently at God's word. In other words, we are to examine the word, to look carefully, to investigate the word, to research it. The connotation is, of this word is look, is to stoop down and to gaze. Just a few weeks ago, we celebrated Resurrection Sunday. We celebrated Easter. And this is the same connotation that um, Peter, John, and Mary had when they stooped down and they looked inside of the tomb of Jesus to see that he was not there. It's also found in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, where we are told that the angels desire to look into the glories of salvation that are outside of their personal experience. The idea here is not that we just merely glance at it, we look at it, we, we look at the word of God, we read of the word of God, and then we just move on as quick as we first looked at it. We don't just glance at the mirror in the morning and go, yep, 
I look okay, cut my hair short, don't have to worry about it. I'm a man, I don't have to put makeup on. So I look in the mirror, I put some water on my face, I brush my teeth, and I'm out the door. It's that easy. But even for us guys, we need to look a little closer. Women, if you ever see your man looking intently into the mirror, he's seen a few extra grays that morning. Or, or he noticed that a few hairs were missing, or his eyebrows were growing a little longer and shaggier than they used to. We see something, and so we look more intently, and that's what we are called to do. Don't just gaze, but look intently at God's Word. We should read the Bible the way that we read a love letter. Now, Today, things are a little bit differently. We get an email as a love letter, or we, we get a text as a love letter. Um, but I remember back in, in my day when I was in, in high school, uh, we, we, we actually had to pass notes, and we read them. You know, today, you, don't, you, know, you read something in an email, and you just delete it. Um, back then, we, the only thing we could do is if it wasn't a love letter, we would crumble it up and throw it in the trash and, and hope nobody found it. Well, um, we would hope that that would happen. Uh, I know that my grandmother, who may be listening this morning, is still holding on to a um, letter that was given to me that I thought that I had put away um, that uh, she is still holding on to. Um, and, and it's about 25 years old now, but she is still holding on to that. Um, and, and it's something that she probably just, if you're listening, Nin, let it go throw it away, shred it, do something with it. We don't need to see that anymore. Um, but, but we hold on to those things like that in our lives. But we need to read that love letter and then reread it and then reread it the same way that we look intently at someone, that something is written to us. It requires reflection as well. James tells us that we're not only uh, to look intently at the word, but also to review it and reflect it. Again, look at verse 25. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. We are to continually, always look at the word of God. We're to remember what we have heard and read. Unless we have studied God's word, we're not going to be able to make the true right decisions for our life that we're faced with every single day. We will be more susceptible to temptation that we talked about last week. We must make sure that we are digging in and reading the word of God. Jesus used God's word when he dealt with temptations. When Satan came after Jesus, when Satan attacked Jesus in the desert, he waited until Jesus was at his absolute weakest. Weakest, And what did Jesus do? He used God's word to bring down Satan. We need to do the same exact thing. We must use God's word. David wrote in Psalm 119, verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see, the word can protect us. God's word offers us protection if we're willing and able to allow it to get in. 
It can be our defense against the devil. But we can only use the word if we have known the word. To do that, we must reflect on it. We must put it into our lives. Reading, studying, memorizing it. Instead of um, watching the news hour after hour after hour every single day. When you're sitting there and you're working and, and you're doing whatever it is that you're doing during the day. Instead of binge watching uh, Carol Baskins and, and the Tiger King or whatever it's called on Netflix. Meditate on God's word. Allow God's word to sink into your life. There is no better opportunity than what you have right now. It requires a reflection it also requires a response. One final way that we can apply the word is to respond to it. James tells us this, we go back to verse 22, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Again, verse 25, James tells us that we, are, that we will be blessed, not simply hearing the word, but by doing what it says. We must personally Respond. The word applies to us. It applies to you. God's word applies to me. Again, I, I hear people that will say, well, it was written 2,000 years ago. It was written 4,000 years ago. How is it applicable into my life? If you read it and you allow it to sink in, you will see that it will apply to your life today in what you are going through today we personally need to respond many christians stop at merely hearing and receiving the word they think hey i've heard the word so travis preached the word and i received it into my heart i have received god's blessings and now i don't have to do anything else but the problem is is that's not what we read this is why james says it as he is writing to these first century Christians. They were hearing it, they were receiving it, but they weren't necessarily doing it and acting out what it was telling them to do. And that is what we have been called to do today as well, to hear it and to do it. Make sure that we are not deceiving ourselves. That's what James says. He tells us that if we're not willing to put the word into practice, we're like someone who glances in, in the mirror but never really sees what's in the mirror. Mirrors are like that. They show us the brutal, honest truth. I look in the mirror, and, and when I look in the mirror, I, I don't necessarily like what I see. I, I have an image of what I think I look like, but... When I look in the mirror, that's when I get the true image. And sometimes it can be brutal. <laughs> God's word can do the same exact thing in our lives. And we need to make sure that we are allowing God's work to speak into our lives. God's word has to speak into our lives. And sometimes it will tell us the bitter truth. It will be brutal with us. But we need to hear it. And then we need to follow through and apply it into our lives. And that brings us to our final point. You must be moved by God's word. You must be moved by God's word. 
I'm not going to do it. Your, your, your family isn't going to do it. Your coworkers aren't going to do it for you. It's up to you. You must be willing to put it in to action. You must be moved. Look at verses 26 through 27. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the word. This is unfortunately a great disparity between what Christians say they believe and the way in which we behave. We must take what we believe and put it into practice. We must be moved by God's work. That's the final step in the process that James gives us today, is that we must allow ourselves to be moved to action on the word. He is talking here of putting the word to practical use. You see, you must not only respond to the word by acknowledging a need to do it, but you must find practical ways to actually do it. How are we called to do this? The first thing that I see as we bring all of this together is to guard your tongue. Guard your tongue. James tells us that we are that our religion is worthless. Our religion is worthless unless we bridle our tongue. Now, he's already talked about being slow to speak, but this is a completely different connotation here. What he is wanting us to see here is, is, is different, and this is to control our speech. Not just to control our tongue, but to control our speech. James knows that if we can learn to control our tongue, we can harness most of our other behaviors as well. Later, James talks about the tongue and, and how it's such a small piece of our body, but how it can affect our entire body. And so we need to make sure that we are guarding our tongue, finding a way to harness it just like that bridle harnesses that horse. And then... He talks about giving to others. He says that practical religion is to visit orphans and widow, widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. In other words, living out the word in a practical way means that we are called to care about others. It's one of the things that I absolutely love about the church. Church as a whole We've done a pretty good job in the past. It's churches who have started daycares, orphanages. It's churches who have opened up hospitals. And we need to make sure that we are continuing to do so. It's churches who start prison ministries. And we need to make sure that we continue to do so. As a local church, again, I talked about this at the very beginning during the announcements, one of the things that we love to do is to give to our missions, to help those that are in need. And, and we can help right now. You can help right now. You know, um, tonight we were supposed to be packing 20,000 meals. 
We were supposed to be working alongside Rise Against Hunger this evening, but because of the social distancing, we won't be able to. We're going to have another event in November, and hopefully everything's going to be opened back up by then, and, and we're going to be able to meet, and we're going to be able to pack those meals. But in the meantime, you can help today, and, and you can give. You can, you can go online, and you can give to Rise Against Hunger if you would like to do so. Um, they are still in need of, of financial help as they try to reach out to those around the world. You can give through the serve. We talked about that earlier. Uh, and, and right now, you, you can just pick up those non-perishable items. You can drop them off at the church in the bin. And I would love to, to see that bin completely overflowing. You can give directly there. But as a church, let's make sure that we are finding practical ways to be doers of the work. Putting our religion, putting our relationship with Jesus into practice. That's what we've been called to do. People matter to God. And because people matter to God, people must matter to us as well. One of the ways that we can act on the word is to have compassion for people and to do something to help them. You might not be able to do everything, but you can do something. You may not be able to help provide for an entire family for the rest of their lives, but you can help one person. You can pay for someone's meal. You can bring the groceries in here. And I want to make a, a, a special call. Many of you know that Teresa and I are, are foster parents, and there's a few families within inside of the church who are foster parents. And this would be one way that you could help. You, you could become a foster parent. You, you could be a respite parent, which means that you're just going to be there when those foster parents, they need a, a break from time to time. And uh, you, could, you could help them out if they have to travel on business or whatever it is. And, and you could help um, bring those children into your home, maybe just for a day, uh, just for an evening, um, just just for a weekend. But this is one of those ways that you can put it into practical use. And then lastly, guard your life. Guard your life. James tells us to, that a, a mark of true spirituality is to keep oneself unstained, to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Keep your life clean. Guard it. Be careful. Watch what you do. Watch what you allow into your life. Don't let anything keep you from having a pure heart and a clean mind. Let me ask you an important question. What do you need to put into practice today? What has God said to you? Have you just been listening to this or are you actually allowing yourself to hear it? What in your life has kept you from really being able to serve God like you know that you should? What are you willing to do about it? Do you just need to calm down? Is there too much anger in your life? Will you make a commitment today to get a handle on that? Perhaps God has spoken to you about a sin that you need to lay down. 
something that is in your life that you need to let go of. It could be a sin that you've committed. It could be a sin of omission. Now, now some people think that a sin of omission is just something that you haven't got around to doing yet. But a sin of omission is something that you know that you should be doing. And you're not. God has placed something on your heart, but you continue to push him away. You continue to say, no, not right now, God. No, that's not for me, God. I I think you're talking to someone else that Travis is preaching to, not to me. Right now, I'm speaking to you. God is speaking to you. Whether it's a sin you've committed or it's a sin of omission, something that you know that you should be doing, yet you're not. Allow God to speak to you. Lay down that sin. Start doing what you've refused to do thus far. You might simply need to stop talking and quit making excuses and blaming everyone else around you. You might simply need to start living for Jesus. Maybe that's what you need to do today. To give your life over to him. We're going to take a time now to partake of communion. And if you need to make that commitment, I want you just to take this time and allow God to reflect into your life. Reflect on what God is calling you to do or what God is calling you to lay aside. And I want you to remember what Jesus did for you. The next time you think, oh God, not me, that I could never do that. I want you to remember what Jesus did. He left heaven for you. He had been with God for all of eternity, yet he he laid that down to come to earth, to live the way you and I live. And he went to the cross, was separated from his father, went through the horrible torment of being separated, took on your sin. He did that for you. So if there's a commitment that you need to make in your life right now, you can make that commitment. You can put it in the comments. You can email me, you can call me, and you can reflect and and give it all up to God right now, remembering his sacrifice. Let's pray. Almighty Father, as we prepare to take communion, Lord, it it doesn't matter what these emblems are that we're using, whether it's the the cracker and the juice that, that they have from here at the church, it doesn't matter whether it's, it's saltines or, or grape juice or apple juice. It doesn't matter whether it's a Cheez-It or a Dorito, a Mountain Dew, a Dr. Pepper. Whatever it is, Lord, it's about what those emblems represent. And they represent the fact that your son, Jesus Christ, came to this earth and died for our sins. And we remember that he made that sacrifice for our sins. He made them for Travis. And he made him for everyone that's listening at home and watching today. So, Father, as we look to be hearers and doers of your word, 
Lord, whatever is hindering us, whatever is stopping us, whatever is keeping us away, that we will lay it down, lay it at your feet and do what you have called us to do. Let us remember your sacrifice for us. We pray all of this in your son's most holy and precious name. Amen.